when we look at tax and compliance, we have a lot of obligations and that area is not negotiable. The other area where we're looking at is accuracy in our production and our business processes, where we're looking at the goods that we're producing. And then the third part of that business process is accuracy in our pricing. Welcome back to the Business Behind Your Business podcast, where we have the conversations to help your business grow and thrive. And we like to bring those conversations to you where we share our experience, our tips, our case studies, and even more to help you run a great business. So back in our 100th episode, when we discussed the best pieces of business advice that we received, I shared about perfection being the enemy of done. And I've since been asked, is that always the case? Surely there are times when you have to get the result perfect. And yes, I agree. There are plenty of times in your business when accuracy is not going to be negotiable. You will have to get things accurate. Now, the opposite of accuracy is often described as an error. Usually it's in the form of wastage. So producing something that can't be sold, spending more time on it, a delay, poor quality, warranty claims, rework, but all of that adds to costs. So those outcomes of making errors or from not being accurate often create additional work required, additional costs, slow down your ability to complete production at the standards required to produce a saleable product or service. So we're going to look at some examples of when and why accuracy is required. And I'm going to contrast that with the areas of your business where perfection is the enemy of done. Um, so there are obligations and processes where accurate completion is not negotiable. And the most obvious of these are income taxes, payroll taxes, and uh, well, basically a lot of the regulation that we as business owners face in pretty much everything that we do. So what we're looking at is when you are actually selling a product until your customer receives it, there's no value received. And a lot of the time when we look at this idea of perfection, that the thing that holds us back from actually producing, if we don't deliver a product because we don't think it's ready, then the customer doesn't receive anything. There's nothing to sell to the customer. And a lot of the times when we're developing a new product, that's what happens is we get so caught up with the idea of perfection or having it right, having it just perfect, that we don't actually deliver. And we don't deliver that to the customer. We don't get the feedback from them about what they would actually like to see added into the product or the solution. We don't get that feedback that could be used to actually improve our product or our service. So most of the time we don't deliver because we don't think we've got it right. We don't think we've got it perfect. Now, there are some traps there. When we look at what is perfect, what does that actually mean? Let's just park that for a little while and we'll come back to that. So just who am I? Again, my name is Paul Sweeney. I'm your host of the Business Behind Your Business podcast. Look, it's a podcast for business owners everywhere. And we try to keep those conversations relevant to you. We try to bring the expert advisors to you as a small business owner because we know that being in business is hard work and we want to give you the resources to make it as easy as possible. And my role, I'm an accountant and a business advisor. I've been working in that field for 30 years. And there's been plenty of times where I've come across instances where accuracy has been required and it hasn't been there. And I've taken on new clients, business owners, who've not got this right. They have not got the, the job done properly. They haven't kept the right records and they've got transactions recorded against wrong accounts or they've completely missed out on a key process or the data is just so inaccurate. And, you know, that causes problems, particularly when we look at regulation. Also, the other thing is that banks are looking for more accurate information as well. They're not just waiting for a best guess. They want to see some substantiation about your systems, your processes, and how you actually ensure that the, the figures you're presenting are actually correct. So in terms of accuracy, when we look at tax and compliance, we have a lot of obligations, and that 
area is not negotiable. We have to have the correct information. Otherwise, we can face some penalties, whether they're uh, in terms of fines or whether there's even some criminal prosecutions there. The other area where we're looking at is accuracy in our production and our business processes, where we're looking at the goods that we're producing. Do we have obligations under legislation or obligations in terms of making our product fit for sale? that we do need to be accurate. And then the third part of that business process is accuracy in our pricing. So do we have our accuracy pricing? And then once we've covered that, I'm just going to touch briefly on this whole idea of when perfection is the enemy of done and why it's going to hurt you, which seems a bit of a contrast or a bit of a weird way to talk about accuracy for a business. So what are our obligations with taxation compliance? So we have obligations to submit income tax returns correctly, including all the income we've received and accurately describing the expenses or the deductions that we've incurred and substantiated by the actual underlying paperwork. A lot of times we see errors being made here. We see errors being made, data's not being captured correctly or it's put to the wrong areas or you know, there's confusion between personal and business so that the information gets a bit messed up. And what the ATO does, or Australian Taxation Office, they're looking at verifying your information. They'll test the accuracy against other sources of information that they have. So they actually have a lot of data sharing capability. They have a lot of resources to check your information against bank transactions, online trading, so with eBay and PayPal and those activities, your banks. There's a lot of rules around the reporting of transactions through the financial sector. They'll look at those other points of information. And also when they're looking at an audit of a particular business, they might cross-reference that information against suppliers. So they'll be checking things like, you know, is that supplier that you're claiming GST for actually registered for GST? If that supplier is not registered for GST, why are you claiming GST incorrectly? But then they might go another step and they might say, well, hang on, you're spending a lot of money with that supplier, which is more than the GST threshold. So that supplier should be registered for GST, but they're not. And I've seen this actually happen. I actually had a client come to me as a result of this. He wasn't originally audited, but his customer was. His customer was audited for GST reporting or the activity statements. And what the ATO discovered was that they were paying him more than the value of the GST registration threshold, which at the time was $50,000. And what they discovered was that he had been not reporting his GST correctly. So they audited him and he had to go back and reproduce four years worth of information or three or four years. I can't remember exactly because it was a while ago now. Um, but it meant a lot of inconvenience to him. It was a disruption to his business and there were some fines involved because he didn't get the information correct. He didn't comply with the obligations and he didn't report correctly. And you know, it ended up causing quite a bit of disruption to him. He'd already spent a lot of the profit, so he didn't have those funds available. So he then was in a bit of financial difficulty trying to get out of that situation. So there's a lot of data matching going on. The ATO has access to a lot of that information. So it's important that you get that information correct. So when they do knock on the door and ask for you to substantiate how you've actually come up with the figures that you've reported in your tax returns or your activity statements, that there is a supporting information behind it. They do match the data that they have so that you avoid the inconvenience of an audit or a full audit and the inconvenience of having to pay fines and penalties for not having done your reporting obligations correctly. So another area is actually making sure that you are reporting in the right categories, which might not seem like 
a big issue. But generally, when you're registering for a tax registration or activity statement, you'll put down which industry code you're operating in. And now, back in early stages of GST in Australia, I know that there was a lot of confusion around which industry codes to use. And we actually came across a situation with a client that had different industry codes registered on his GST um, compared to his income tax return. And the ATO actually audited him because he didn't actually have the correct industry code on his tax return. And when they compared his income and expenditure against the benchmark of all other businesses in that same industry code, he was way outside the norm. And that's why he was chosen for an audit. But when we actually communicated with the ATO and advised them the actual activities he did, because that was one of the first questions they asked, they said, well, you've been using the wrong industry code and you've been selected for an audit because your figures are outside the benchmarks for that code that you've put on your tax return. Whereas when we compared these um, actual figures to the benchmark for the industry that he was in, there was no issue. So that by using the wrong code, by not accurately having a look at what industry he was in, it caused him some chaos later down the track because he was actually flagged for an ATO audit, which is not a good, good thing. So it's important just on those little things, particularly when we're looking at compliance, to make sure that we do have them accurate. And now, yeah, we're going away from tax because tax is one of the things that most businesses think of. There are a whole host of other laws in Australia which govern measurement. These are classified as the Australian trade measurement laws. So there will be similar laws in other countries as well. So the trade measurement laws, they're there to make sure that Australian consumers get what they pay for. Uh, and so the transactions are regulated. Um, when you determine the price by measurement, and the most obvious one is petrol, <laughs> the price on, on the Valzo is actually what you're putting into your vehicle, that that is accurate. Meat sales, anything that actually uses a, a legal unit of measurement, that those scales are accurate, that the packaging is accurate, that the equipment that's used to measure the weights and the volumes is tested regularly and verified. So there are laws around that. And if you don't comply with those laws, there are fines and penalties involved. So there is some licensing required. You can't just say that I've bought these scales and that they're all good, but you do actually have to get them checked regularly by licensed professionals. And that's why we often see you know, the way bridges in public for road transport, and not just there to check that trucks are overweight, but actually to, to verify that what they're carrying is actually the correct volumes. So there's a whole host of reasons why those measurement laws are in place. And so you have to comply with those laws if you are selling goods by measurement. So you need to make sure that you're got accuracy, that your scales are accurate, your volumes are accurate, that you're manufacturing and packing, importing, those things, uh, those pre-packaged goods, that you actually use the correct volumes. Because if you are misleading your customers, then the ACCC and other government bodies will take an interest in that and, of course, some big issues for your business. And if it's not the regulatory bodies getting involved, it may actually be a situation that we heard of with uh, quite a famous one with Subway and their foot-long subs, their foot-long sandwiches. And they got into a lot of trouble because somebody measured the length of those sandwiches and they were less than a foot long. They were only 11 inches. It's actually a lawsuit and there was quite a substantial cost to Subway of getting that right. And they had to do a lot of work 
to repair the damage that was done by that accusation. And it was a big deal for them. It went on for quite some time. And it also raised a bit of scepticism about a lot of manufacturers and food suppliers. Were they actually supplying the right quantities? What they said was in the packaging was actually what was being delivered. So there is a lot more, I guess, focus on it, particularly by consumers, that what they're getting is actually what you say you're selling to them. And look, as well as that, there are some fines involved. And look, these fines are pretty pretty hefty. So we're looking at $210,000 per offence as a company or $42,000 per offence as an individual. So if you're caught short measuring your customers or giving them less than the amount that you claim, that's a big, big fine. So you've got to be very careful with that. Um, accuracy is also very important. If we look at, there's some industries where even just the slightest millimeter can make a huge difference. And we're talking about sectors like aerospace, medical, automotive, and sectors like that. One, you know, the difference between good performance and something going drastically wrong or potentially putting lives in danger can be just a millimeter. So if the components don't fit correctly, then there could be huge issues. So accuracy in production, particularly if you're manufacturing products or inputs into or key areas like aerospace, medical, automation, automotive, yeah, you've got to get it right. There are some big implications of not getting it right. I heard this story when I was reading through, I can't remember the book, I think it might have been Scrum, but contrasting American car manufacturers to the Japanese where often it was a case of that the car manufacturers would have like a rubber mallet to sort of knock the doors into place and and make sure that they fit. And they were surprised that the Japanese didn't have that process. And the Japanese says, no, we make sure that everything is made exactly as it needs to be so it fits perfectly every time, first time. So by getting the accuracy right, they're able to improve their processes. And the Japanese automotive industry, you know, world leaders in efficiency of their processes and being able to get that quality there and reduce wastage. So important to get accuracy in your production. So science, engineering, medical fields, that accuracy is really, really important. So accuracy is important. Every business needs to be accurate, particularly when looking at compliance and manufacturing, but also accuracy in terms of pricing. So pricing your goods so that you make the profit that you need to make. And so there's two factors here. One is the cost of purchasing the item for sale and the the cost of actually producing and delivering it, and then the price you sell it for. Now, the price you're selling for it is arbitrary. That's what you put on it. But the costs of purchasing or producing the items or the the services, they're they're going to be what your business actually has. they're, They're the inputs. And if you're not accurate or don't include all of those costs when you're calculating how much it costs to produce or purchase a product, and then you sell it, but you sell it at a price too low because you didn't factor in all the costs, then you're going to make a loss. And if you continue to do that on all your products, then you're going to end up with a big loss. And it doesn't matter how much more you sell, you're going to continue to make losses because you haven't priced them correctly. So there's a couple of things to do there is actually one, identify what all the costs are and make sure that you've got them recorded correctly. And the second thing is look at how you can actually reduce things like wastage, rework, inefficiencies, improve your processes so that you can produce more in the same time, reduce wastage, reduce that rework, make sure that all of your product outcomes are fit for purpose and then price appropriately and improve your profits. So get your pricing right, 
but make sure you're pricing your sales at an appropriate level to make sure you're making a profit. So coming back to my original statement where I was talking about that done is better than perfect or perfect is the enemy of done, where is that the case? So we talked about examples where you have to have accuracy. Accuracy is absolutely required. So in terms of compliance, in manufacturing, quality assurance, in, in certain industries, manufacture production has to be accurate. But the area where we're talking about perfect being the enemy of done is that delays in introducing a new process or a new product. A lot of the time we're waiting until we get it absolutely perfect before we release it. But the problem there is that what does perfect mean? What does that perfect actually mean? I don't think we can actually have that perfect process, but we delay it until we think it's perfect. There's a couple of downsides to that. The first one is you can't actually make money from products or services you don't sell or that you haven't launched. You can't make money if you haven't sold it. So you need to get a product out there that you can sell or a process out there. And the longer you wait, the more likely it is that someone else will launch a similar product ahead of you. So if somebody else gets in there first, then they're going to have that momentum. They're going to capture more of the market. They're also going to be getting more feedback on what's going on, what the users of the product actually want. What are they like? What are the problems they're having? What features do they really need so that they would actually buy more? So too often we spend time focusing on what the end product has to look like or what we think it has to look like and not actually getting a product out there that people can use, refine, give feedback on, improve. But when we get the product out there, they can buy it. It's not about getting it perfect. It's about getting it out the door and then adjusting, refining from there. And we're not talking about the accuracy required in manufacturing processes, particularly for medical and automotive. There are definite needs that they have to be accurate. But if we're talking about launching a new piece of software, okay, what's the implication of that? If it's a design software, then how do we improve that? If it's a business process to improve efficiency of capturing data in an office, you know, it's not a life and death situation. We can get a, a working model out there and get some feedback from real users about what works, what they'd like to see, what would help them, new features that they actually want to use and will pay for. So we need to actually get a product out there. So often waiting until we get it perfect or what we think looks like perfect is, is the thing that holds us back. We push back progress for the sake of waiting till we get perfection. That whole quote is about getting things done faster but still being effective and responsible still ensuring that the quality of your work is there because you've got efficient processes so when you focus too much on the outcome you fall into the trap of i guess idolizing the end result or putting that up you know that being the goal but that's not what's supposed to happen if we have an outcome that we want to get to but we focus on actually the steps in the process of getting it out there and we have different milestones about product versions and releasing new features, but we have consistency and quality in our processes, then the product we're going to deliver is going to be good. It might not be perfect, but you know, if you're selling a product to, say, a 1,000 people, all 1,000 people will have different expectations about what their perfect product looks like. So in that situation, if you get it out there, it might be 80% of what you think is perfect, but for somebody else, it's ideal for what they need. And then you can refine it. So focusing on the product, we're not sacrificing accuracy in how we actually produce it. We make sure it works 100% each time, but it's not that perfect, I guess, product. And this is a guy called Neil Patel, who's a big um, social media marketing, I guess, expert. Um, and he says trying to make something perfect can actually prevent us from making it just good. 
And perfection in its elusive glory is like a unicorn. It's sure it sounds great, but who's actually seen one? So apart from meeting our obligations on the statutory requirements, focus on accuracy. Look, it's important, but when we're designing new processes, sometimes when we're focusing so much on the perfect outcome, we forget to actually produce something. And that's where that whole idea came from. I've seen so many people you know, never launch a product because they haven't got it perfect. They've spent years investing in, in the perfect outcome. And in the meantime, somebody else has come along and, and quickly launched a product, not as good, but it worked and people bought it and they gained the momentum. And by the time these clients got along to actually launching their product, there was no demand for it. People had already started using the competitors and those competitors had used the feedback and information to constantly improve their product. So the accuracy is required. It is required, but we also need to be aware that if perfection is stopping us from actually launching a product, what is perfection about? Let's get the product out there. Let's get some feedback and make sure that we're producing a product that we can sell to customers who are going to buy it at the price that we need to sell it for. So thank you for listening again. If you're a regular listener, we love your support and thank you for continuing to listen and support us. And if you're listening for the first time, it's great to have you with us. We like to bring these conversations to you where we share our experience. And look, if there's a question that you would like specifically answered on the podcast, then you can reach out to us at podcast at thebusinessbehindyourbusiness.com or you can use the link in the show notes and you can always listen to previous episodes or access additional resources or even leave us a message on our website which is www.thebusinessbehindyourbusiness.com and love to hear from you. So thank you for listening. 